The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. You are now tuned in to the Roto Experts. Rise and shine, fantasy players. It is a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Tuesday, June 19th. Let's cock-a-doodle do it. It is Roto Experts in the morning right here on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I am your host, Dane Martinez. They call me Speed Spin Statistician, and as usual, we are joined by FSWA Hall of Famer, my co-host, the King, Scott Engel. Scott, it is a busy morning already. I look up, and my team, the Trevor Ending Story, got great outings from Jacob DeGrom, from Trevor Bauer. We have risen three points all the way up to second place. <coughs> Excuse me, only trailing the leader by only one point. I am feeling good. There is a lot of news to discuss. I am on my wire right now thinking about picking up potential closers. Where? Like, I'm from all over the place. How are you doing, Scott? Uh, I'm feeling relieved a little bit. You know, I was I was going through the highlights and the scores, and then I saw that Jaime Barria yeah. uh, got lit up last night. I'm like, oh, no, I dropped in the standings. I actually gained a half point because of all, all the hitting, you know, including yeah. Michael Michael Conforto who had, a, who had a big night as well. Uh, so... Uh, you know, I, I, I feel I feel like I dodged something there. You know, in, in my in my other league, uh, Nick Pavetta struck out thirteen, so it kind of o- offset the Barria explosion. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Pavetta had an incredible outing, um, looking good. Nice bounce back after two two rough starts last week. Yeah, I mean, listen, and there are there is news here. Okay, well, I talked about I'm trying to pick up closers. There's a couple of situations that we need to look at. Okay, and if you're listening to Roto Experts in the morning here, part of the reason you listen early in the morning is to get a scoop on your competitors. So let's talk about them, Scott. Listen, first, Kelvin Herrera. We've talked about how the Royals are open for business. They traded John Jay already. They've moved Kelvin Herrera to the Washington Nationals. I think this is a huge move, Scott for the Nationals. We know about their pitching staff already. You know, Scherzer, Gio having a great year, Strasburg went healthy. And now if they can nail up the back end, Doolittle has pitched, you know, Doolittle has been very strong as the closer. They now add Herrera to that mix. I think that really shores up the back end of Washington. But talk to me about the impacts here. Is Doolittle still the guy in Washington? Where do you see Herrera fitting in for the Nationals? And who fills that void in Kansas City, Scott? 
Yeah, it's it's still going to be Doolittle. Uh, you know, okay. more published reports are indicating that uh, is that Herrera is somebody they felt they had to get because uh, Brandon Kinsler is on the DL. Ryan Madsen is not quite what he used to be, so they need a strong bridge. They feel to Doolittle. I could see I could see Herrera vulturing some save chances here and there, maybe depending right. on a matchup or two. But uh, I, th- I think it's going to be uh, still going to continue to be Doolittle. There's no reason to mess with success as good as Doolittle has been this year. We don't even talk about Doolittle just because he is so good. Uh, he, he's one of those closers you don't talk about. It's like we don't talk right. about Edwin Diaz, who has 20, friggin 27 saves already just because yeah. the guys are so good. The only closers that we talk about are the ones that are losing jobs or on the verge of uh, you know, having the job slip through their fingers. And there's other situations we can talk about in a little while. But I think it's still definitely going to be Doolittle. But, you know, Doolittle hasn't gotten injured in the past, so it's good insurance as well. And if you play in a holds league, uh, Herrera's, you know, definitely going to get a lot more opportunities there. Uh, but And then you go to Kansas City, and it looks like Kevin McCarthy right now, but is uh, what a lot of the public reports are saying, including uh, our the player news on the Roto Experts homepage provided mm-hmm. by Roto Baller. Uh, Tim Hill is another possibility. Could be uh, bullpen by committee because – you know, even though McCarthy's going to get the first shot, you know he's not a dominant kind of guy. You know, he's one of the, one of those more Brandon Kinsler types where, right. you know, he's going to look to get ground balls, et cetera. Then you you want to you want a strikeout type closer. So I I don't think anything's for sure in Kansas City, but I think McCarthy's going to get the first crack. Okay, fair enough. So maybe McCarthy is there, the answer now for the Royals. Remember, though, the Royals are not winning a ton of games, but we've said this before. Teams that are not amazing, you know, they don't win a ton of games, but the games they do win are usually close. So keep an eye out on that. Yeah, here's two two examples. Joachim Soria took out, you know, before this week, he had six saves in ten days for the White Sox, and Kyle Barraclaw just got his his, uh, sixth save last night. He's only had the job about a month. Yep, so those are those are definitely examples. But, Scott, you mentioned there's a couple of other situations. You piqued my interest with that. Right now, literally, on my league's website, I am set up to potentially pick up Archie Bradley. Is that a good idea, Scott? He came and got the save. I mean, this is a guy with great stuff. Uh, are you saying it does Boxberger, is, uh, is he loosening the grip on that job in Arizona? Boxberger had a big implosion on Sunday night. Right. And while it was only his third blown save of the year, you know, he's not dominant. He doesn't throw 91-93. For him, it's more about changing the eye level and changing speeds, etc. And he's done it very effectively for most of the year. But in the fashion in which he blew the save, I don't know if the Diamondbacks are being reactionary here. I think they feel like they can contend and they can't have Boxberger blowing games like that. So Bradley last night... They kept him in for the ninth inning, and he got the save. So this is a situation to monitor, as is the one in Philadelphia with Hector Neris getting sent down and Sir Anthony Rodriguez probably being the guy. He didn't get the shot last night, but he's probably going to be the guy. Uh, Sir Anthony Dominguez, I'm sorry. Uh, he's probably going to He's probably going to be the guy. Neris actually got sent to the minor leagues. Uh, I was I was never a big Hector Neris fan. You know, he kind of reminds me of, like, you know, for people who can go back, like like Ugeth Urbina, uh, right? Yeah, guys who had the stuff, 
but you can never trust him in the ninth inning. And you've never been able to trust Hector Norris. Never. Like, this is what I talk about, the closer mentality. Now, look, I can't get inside the head of Hector Norris, but he's got the stuff to close, but there's something in the ninth inning where he just he implodes. And... You know, that, that's why I talk about the closer mentality sometimes. Because sometimes you get the guys who have the stuff, but they just can't handle the ninth inning consistently. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll, we'll keep our eye in Philadelphia. We'll keep our eye in Arizona. We'll keep our eye in Kansas City. Uh, we do, however, believe that ultimately Doolittle will hold on to the job. You know, it's kind of like, Scott, when you mentioned the idea of, like, you know, the Edwin Diaz's and the, and the Doolittles who have been great. It's almost to me like... Sometimes when you don't know who the referee is for a game or the umpire is for a game, that means they're doing a great job, <laughs> you know. But sometimes with a closer, if you don't know who they are, if we don't talk about it, it means because they're not getting blown up. It means they're humming right along, and that is certainly the case. In Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. You are now tuned in to the Roto Experts. Rise and shine, fantasy players. It is a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Tuesday, June 19th. Let's cock-a-doodle do it. It is Roto Experts in the morning right here on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I am your host, Dane Martinez. They call me Speed Spin Statistician, and as usual, we are joined by FSWA Hall of Famer, my co-host, the King, Scott Engel. Scott, it is a busy morning already. I look up and my team, the Trevor Ending Story, got great outings from Jacob DeGrom, from Trevor Bauer. We have risen three points all the way up to second place. <coughs> Excuse me, only trailing the leader by only one point. I am feeling good. There is a lot of news to discuss. I am on my wire right now thinking about picking up potential closers. Where? Like, I'm from all over the place. How are you doing, Scott? Uh, I'm feeling relieved a little bit. You know, I was I was going through the highlights and the scores, and then I saw that Jaime Barria uh, yeah. got lit up last night. I'm like, oh, no, I dropped in the standings. I actually gained a half point because of all, all the hitting, you know, including yeah. Michael, Michael Conforto had a, had a big night as well. Uh, so... Uh, yeah, I, I, I feel I feel like I dodged something there. You know, in, in my in my other league, uh, Nick Pavetta struck out thirteen, so it kind of o- offset the Barria explosion. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Pavetta had an incredible outing. Um, looking good. Nice bounce back after two two rough starts last week. Yeah, I mean, listen, and there are there is news here, okay? I talked about I'm trying to pick up closers. There's a couple of situations that we need to look at, okay? And if you're listening to Roto Experts in the Morning here, 
part of the reason you listen early in the morning is to get a scoop on your competitors. So let's talk about them. Scott, listen, first, Kelvin Herrera. We've talked about how the Royals are open for business. They traded John Jay already. They've moved Kelvin Herrera to the Washington Nationals. I think this is a huge move, Scott, for the Nationals. We know about their pitching staff already. You know, Scherzer, Gio having a great year. Strasburg went healthy. And now if they can nail up the back end, Doolittle has pitched. You know, Doolittle has been very strong as the closer. They now add Herrera to that mix. I think that really shores up the back end of Washington. But talk to me about the impacts here. Is Doolittle still the guy in Washington? Where do you see Herrera fitting in for the Nationals? And who fills that void in Kansas City, Scott? Yeah, it's it's still going to be Doolittle. Uh, you know, okay. more published reports are indicating that uh, is that Herrera is somebody they felt they had to get because. Uh, Brandon Kinsler is on the DL. Ryan Madsen is not quite what he used to be. So they need a strong bridge, they feel, to do little. I could see, see Harrell vulturing some save chances here and there, maybe depending right. on a matchup or two. But uh, I, th- I think it's going to be uh, still going to continue to be Doolittle. There's no reason to mess with success as good as Doolittle has been this year. We don't even talk about Doolittle just because he is so good. Uh, he, he's one of those closers you don't talk about. It's like we don't talk right. about Edwin Diaz, who has 20, freaking 27 saves already just because yeah. the guys are so good. The only closers that we talk about are the ones that are losing jobs or on the verge of uh, you know, having the job slip through their fingers. And there's other situations we can talk about in a little while. But I think it's still definitely going to be Doolittle. But, you know, Doolittle hasn't gotten injured in the past, so it's good insurance as well. And if you play in a holds league, uh, Herrera's, you know, definitely going to get a lot more opportunities there. Uh, but And then you go to Kansas City, and it looks like Kevin McCarthy right now, but is uh, what a lot of the public reports are saying, including uh, our the player news on the Roto Experts homepage provided mm-hmm. by Roto Baller. Uh, Tim Hill is another possibility. Could be uh, bullpen by committee because – you know, even though McCarthy's going to get the first shot, you know he's not a dominant kind of guy. You know, he's one of one of those more Brandon Kinsler types where, right. you know, he's going to look to get ground balls, et cetera. Then you you want you want a strikeout type closer. So I, I don't think anything's for sure in Kansas City, but I think McCarthy's going to get the first crack. Okay, fair enough. So maybe McCarthy is there, the answer now for the Royals. Remember, though, the Royals are not winning a ton of games, but we've said this before. Teams that are not amazing, you know, they don't win a ton of games, but the games they do win are usually close. So keep an eye out on that. Yeah, Um, here's two two examples. Joachim Soria took out, you know, before this week, he had six saves in ten days for the White Sox. And Kyle Barraclaw just got his his, uh, sixth save last night. He's only had the job about a month. Yep, so those are those are definitely examples. But, Scott, you mentioned there's a couple of other situations. You piqued my interest with that. Right now, literally, on my league's website, I am set up to potentially pick up Archie Bradley. Is that a good idea, Scott? He came and got the save. I mean, this is a guy with great stuff. Uh, are you saying it does Boxberger? Is, uh, is he loosening the grip on that job in Arizona? Boxberger had a big implosion on Sunday night. Right. And while it was only his third blown save of the year, you know, he's not dominant. He doesn't throw 91-93. For him, it's more about changing the eye level and changing speeds, etc. And he's done it very effectively for most of the year. But in the fashion in which he blew the save, 
I don't know if the Diamondbacks are being reactionary here. I think they feel like they can contend and they can't have Boxberger blowing games like that. So Bradley last night, they kept him in for the ninth inning and he got the save. So this is a situation to monitor, as is the one in Philadelphia with Hector Neris getting sent down and Sir Anthony Rodriguez probably being the guy. He didn't get the shot last night, but he's probably going to be the guy. Uh, Sir Anthony Dominguez, I'm sorry. Uh, he's probably going to He's probably going to be the guy. Norris actually got sent to the minor leagues. Uh, I was I was never a big Hector Norris fan. You know, he kind of reminds me of like you know, for people who can go back like like Ugetherbina, uh, right? Yeah, you know, guys who had the stuff, but you can never trust him in the ninth inning, and you've never been able to trust Hector Norris. Never, like he. he this is what I talk about, the closer mentality. Now, look, I can't get inside the head of Hector Norris, but he's got the stuff to close, but there's something in the ninth inning where he just he implodes. And you know that, that's why I talk about the closer mentality sometimes, because sometimes you get the guys who have the stuff, but they just can't handle the ninth inning consistently. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll, we'll keep our eye in Philadelphia. We'll keep our eye in Arizona. We'll keep our eye in Kansas City. Uh, we do, however, believe that ultimately Doolittle will hold on to the job. You know, it's kind of like, Scott, when you mentioned the idea of, like, you know, the Edwin Diaz's and the, and the Doolittles who have been great. It's almost to me like sometimes when you don't know who the referee is for a game or the umpire is for a game, that means they're doing a great job, <laughs> you know, but sometimes with a closer, if you don't know who they are, if we don't talk about it, it means because they're not getting blown up. It means they're humming right along. And that is certainly the case in Seattle. That is certainly the case in Washington. And now the nationals just add to their uh, kind of riches at the back end. Listen, I also thought it was really funny before we get into the game by games. And one of the games that happened here really started all the way back on May 15th. All right. The Yankees and the Nationals, speaking of the Nationals, um, finished that game that got suspended. Remember when it happened, Scott? We were wondering like, hey, what happens if you have somebody and then you make a trade in the interim or if they get sent down in the interim and we were kind of going back and forth about what the technical rules were? Well, there was a funny wrinkle that happened yesterday. Listen, since then, as you know, Juan Soto has been called up by the Nationals and he has been stroking, right? But he in this, now they continue the game. And I believe the Nationals go ahead and win that first game 5-3 yesterday, right? Juan Soto hits a home run. But all the stats are now charged to the game that happened May 15th. Juan Soto was called up on May 20th. So interestingly enough, Scott, he technically hit a home run in a game that happened five days before his Major League debut. For that reason, I'm now calling him the DeLorean on some Back to the Future. Kind of interesting wrinkle for Juan Soto, huh? Yeah, I know our producer, Chris Bravona, is going to appreciate that. He's probably the biggest <laughs> Back to the Future fan I, I've ever met. That guy actually went to a convention last year and spent a lot of money to, like, meet the cast and get pictures with them. Well, Bavona is a cinephile, I will say that. And, hey, Michael J. Fo- Michael J. Fox, you know, great Scott with Doc. I mean, that's, 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 some, that's some good quality stuff right there, but I did the think guy, it was. The guy owns a Back to the Future hockey jersey. 
He does. That's he absolutely true. My man also owns an ugly Christmas hockey jersey. So, I mean, hey, I'm into Bavona. He is down there on the fourth floor helping us sound good. He is the manimal down there in the fantasy pit of misery. If you call the number at 844-843-6879 because you want to join the show, our guy Chris Bavona will definitely take good care of you. Um, Scott, we also have trade reports. Um, I know your Mets. Scott, I know your Mets popped off a little bit yesterday down in Coors Field. They have 12 runs they scored. I mean, guys like Brandon Nemo with two home runs, Mezzarocco going yard. Sounds like the offense might be waking up a little bit. But here in New York, we're also getting reports that the Mets are, are, are open for business. We heard this for Can- from Kansas City, and they have made moves. We heard this about Pittsburgh as well. Um, do you think this is the case, Scott? And then if so, who would be some of the assets that get moved? For me, I think it's Familia who's on the last year of his deal. For me, as Drupal Cabrera could be a candidate. I know there's a lot of buzz around DeGrom and Syndergaard and stuff like that. Let's not even cross that horizon just yet. DeGrom with another sensational outing yesterday, even at Coors Field. But what do you think about these reports? You think the Mets might uh, acknowledge that they may need to sell some of those pieces, like the Cabreras and the Familias? Yeah, they might do it. They need to restock the minor league system. I think it's sort of a retool maybe that they want to do because they don't, according to the report from Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic, mm-hmm. they don't want to get rid of guys who are young and under team control, control. for a long time. That includes DeGrom. Nemo, who had two home runs last night, his first sure. one was an inside the parker. He became just the third Met to lead off the home, uh, lead off a game with, a, with an inside the park home run in team history. And then he went yard later in the game. The guy is incredibly on fire and already has more home runs than he had in any minor league season. He's just right on fire. But Conforto's nice. really starting to pick it up. He had two doubles last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, a few homers over the weekend. You know, he's not going anywhere. They're going to keep guys like Seth Lugo, et cetera. Uh, you know, Cabrera is a very versatile guy. And yeah. he's had a good year overall, though. His batting average has dipped towards the 270 range recently. Rosario's not going anywhere. Sure. I would be shocked if they trade Todd Frazier. But Frazier. I don't see it happening because, you know, they feel like he's a good clubhouse example to a lot of the young guys. We don't know when Cespedes is coming back. He's he's out indefinitely right now. Jay Bruce is kind of banged up, but he's he's a trade target. I don't think they get rid of Mezzarocco. Uh Syndergaard, you know, I didn't see him left out of any of those reports. So I'm I'm kind of interested, although they have him under team control for a little while. Right. Uh, Zach Wheeler is another young guy. You know, maybe mm-hmm. they, they keep him and Steven Matz. Matz. It's like, I, I don't know if they're going to move any of the young pitchers. Sure, so, fair enough. So when you first see the statement that they're open for business, you know, I think it's one thing. Like Familia actually had like a Mets record for holds like the year before he became a closer or something like 52 right. holds I think or something like that so I think when you look overall you look after analyzing I think you look maybe at Familia Cabrera right. uh, and, and Brutes you know maybe a guys Frazier like, guys like that you know it's not, none, none of these like really I don't think you're going to see a Jacob deGrom trade you might not see a Noah Syndergaard trade either yeah. I mean, you know, it's 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 uh you put them on the scale, right? Those those pieces that are easier to give up, you know, the Cabreras, the Familias, you're just not going to get as big of a haul back, Scott. One of the things you mentioned is the idea of like we, trying to restock the system. Tra- yeah, I'm sorry. When Familia gets traded, 
you know, Robert Gazelman has gotten like the last two to three sure. save chances for the team. Yep. And you know, right now, if he's a free agent, you got to go and pick him up. Two weeks ago, I got an advance tip that Gazelman was probably going to close even before Familia went on the DL. And Familia was shaky in his first start back. Familia has never been quite as he was lights out. Even when he had the, that. He Sorry, was lights out until the first game of the 2015 World Series. Right. And after that, he's never been quite as shut down as he, as he was previously. Yeah, you know what's interesting to me? Like, remember, didn't Familia have, like, that record of something like 50-some-odd straight saves? You know, that sort of thing. Yeah. Also, But he's always – and I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to pile on, Scott. I know you're a Mets fan, you know. But he's always seemed no, to be it someone matter, to you me know? who's I'm not like, worried about fanship here, you know. Fair enough. He seems to be yeah. someone who gets the save, but you always sweat it out a bit. You know what I mean? He does put runners on and things of that nature. So I wonder uh, if a team would want to put him in the seventh or eighth inning. In some, because sometimes those are, as you know, Scott, the higher leverage situations. You know, Familia gets the job done, but it's not always clean. So that would be an interesting guy to see if someone wanted to put him in a high leverage spot in the seventh or eighth inning for a contender. Yeah, because I, I don't know if a contender wants exactly put him. That's in what the, I mean. The way, you know? the, the way that he's he's pitched this year. So, look, you know, the guy does have some, some excellent stuff, but, you know, yeah. sometimes, sometimes his command deserts him in big situations and, you know, maybe a change of scenery here. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure. It's, we'll see. You know, if, if I was a playoff team and I had Familia in a tight game in the eighth inning, I'd be kind of sweating. As much, exactly. as, much as, I, as much as I like the guy, it's like I'd hate, you know, you talk about fanship and stuff like that. It's like I'd hate to see Jerry Familia go from a personal perspective because he's a really nice guy. I always tell him I draft him on my fantasy teams. He's cool like that, you know, but, it, you know, baseball's a business. Fantasy baseball, you have to treat it like a business too, you know, whatever's. Whatever's best for the team and best for the team is probably to see what they can get for Familia. And you have to be ready for that. And you're already ready for that if you're, you're a Familia owner. I've already moved on to Gazelman in two leagues. Absolutely. So Robert Gazelman is definitely the guy to get ahead of the curve for the Mets just in case. Let's keep it moving, Scott. The Cleveland Indians are at home. They take out the White Sox. I'm telling you, the Indians, I believe, are starting to roll now that they've got a bunch of games against the White Sox and the Royals and other division opponents. Trevor Bauer with a nice outing. He goes seven innings of scoreless ball, strikes out eight. His ERA is now down all the way to a cool 2.5. I want to ask you, though, Scott, I'm going to ask you about Jason Kipnis. Jason Kipnis has a nice game. He goes three for four, couple of ribbies. He hits his fifth home run of the year. He's hitting 207. Scott, I mean, we've been Ooh. talking about other guys like this, you know, who are down on the interstate. Goldschmidt is all the way up in the 250s now. I mean, you know, the weather's starting to get warmer. Can we start to see the uh, production raise out of even Jason Kipnis? I mean, this is a lineup, Scott. Cleveland, they, are, they produce. This Cleveland Indians team will score runs. you got to figure someone who's in that lineup is going to have opportunities for runs and ribbies all season long. Uh, can, we start to, uh, can we start to expect Kipnis to inch up a little bit? I think it's nice to see it for one night, but it's not football. I'm not going to overreact to one performance because – Kipnis has just been a huge disappointment all year long. Right. This is a guy that had a great spring training, and I thought everything was going to point to him having a good season. I drafted him in three leagues. I cut him in three leagues. You know, mm-hmm. He hasn't been on my t- any of my teams in at least three weeks. Uh, I, don't th- I don't think I'm going to... 
I don't think you – Mikel Franco had a big game Sunday. You know, you can't overreact to one game in fantasy baseball here. Uh, you know, this month he's hitting 244 with two home runs and five RBIs. To me, I still got to see a lot more from Jason Kip- Kipnis before I bother spending any fab on him. Okay, so we, we still – it's nice to see, but we'll, we'll fully believe it when we yeah. see it in that game. Let's keep it moving, Scott. The Houston Astros, man. Houston Astros just continue to win. Everybody started being like, hey, don't look now, but Seattle's actually in first place. And Houston said, oh, yeah, hold my beer. They win 11 in a row, this time in walk-off fashion with a Bregman double. 12 hey, in a row now. It's 12? Excuse me. I yes, got you know, tying a franchise record. I'm one day behind. Excuse me. Bregman gets the walk-off double. I want to ask you about Yuri Gurriel, though, Scott. He goes two for four with two ribbies. He's now up to hitting 305. Um, Gurriel was kind of just like scuffling along for a little while, but he seems to be heating up. Is that a legitimate corner infielder for uh, for teams? Definitely. Chris Mitchell on Roto Experts does a great column every Thursday uh, called Trending and Noteworthy. And he was talking about how the guy, you know, was getting getting back into good health. Uh, I think Inside Injuries was also talking about him as well. And to, actually was Inside Injuries, although Chris does do a great column. Inside Injuries was talking about him as a waiver pickup last week because his health was starting to round back into form. And you were starting to see him hit for average and the power was going to come. This month, he's hitting three seventy one. He's only got one homer. But he's got 15 RBIs, and the power is still there. Like mm-hmm. Inside Injuries was saying on Roto Experts last week, I think I believe the power is going to come. And right now the batting average is starting to get pushed up. He's healthy again. He's over 305. It's probably a, like a high water mark for him. But I think I, I think Gorel is somebody that you know, still may not be out there in a few leagues. In some of the more competitive leagues, I don't think he is. But, uh, you know, this is a guy that hit just 18 home runs a year ago and hit 299. So, uh, you know, definitely a good call there. Absolutely. Professional hitter, Yuri Gurriel. The kind of some of the um, his situation in the World I don't Series. Know, I don't know if I'd ever associate professional and Yuri, Yuri Gurriel no? ever <laughs> in the same sentence after what he pulled in the playoffs. That's what year. I was saying. That's yeah. what I said. The stuff that happened in the World Series. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, notwithstanding. Let me ask you, though, something, Scott. As I continue to try to damn figure out these Tampa Bay Rays and what they do from the pitching standpoint, okay? They start Stanek as like the quote-unquote opener. They were winning in this game, okay? So I thought I was going to get a good read. Remember back, you know, after they traded Colome, a lot of people were thinking, Scott, that it was going to be Alvarado. You know, who kind of took on this role. You know, that's what a lot of people thought. And then, like, the Romo, kind of the opener, the closer. A few weeks ago when this happened, I picked up Alvarado on spec. He has not gotten me a single save, okay? And they used him today or last night. It looks like they used him in, like, the fifth or the fifth or sixth inning. He did get a hold. But let me ask you something. I can drop Alvarado to go grab Archie Bradley, correct? I would definitely do that. It's Sergio okay. Romo. It looks like it's Romo, right? Last night. No, he blew the save last night. So yeah, maybe but he still. won't get the next chance. No, but I'm asking Alvarado. What, what's up with Alvarado? A lot of people thought it was Alvarado coming in. He hasn't had any saves since Colomay's been down, and they're using him in a game where they're winning in, like, the sixth inning. So what's the answer in Tampa he Bay? Should, 
There is none. He might get right. close tonight. He might, but you, you I, I don't, don't want to deal with it anymore, The right? situation is just crazy. It's the worst closer situation in baseball. Romo took the, his second loss last night, blowing the save. Mm-hmm. But this guy's got closing experience. In 2013 and 2014, he saved a combined total of 61 games. And... I don't know. Look, you always want to win when you play baseball. That's what the team is going to tell you. But this team is not going to be in a pennant race. They might be able to survive with Romo closing right. the games and may give another another chance because he's got that sort of experience. But you know, for you know, Alvarado might be starting tonight. So you know, this this team is just stay away from it, except for Ian Snell and Chris Archer. I wouldn't mess with anything else. What about Eovaldi? He's on the DL. Scott, what about Eovaldi, Scott? Like, yeah. he's he, now nah, he's looked decent. He's looked yeah. up and down. And you just like starts. him because he's a former Yankee. No, dude. no, no. That is not the case. But I will go ahead and pull the trigger and grab myself some Archie Bradley instead of dealing with this kind of situation there in Eovaldi Eovaldi's been long been a tease, and I'm way past the point of – you know, ever considering it from fantasy, you heard all. You don't like a tease every now and then, Scott. All, all the all this all this velocity. Well, you know, not uh, maybe during the, the the day shift. You know, not fantasy <laughs> baseball. Fair enough. But you know, he's only striking out six seven point one seven batters per game. Uh, his strand rate has been unfortunate. He's got a four sixty three RA with a three seventy one x fit. But I just like the guy's never amounted to nothing. He's a waste of time. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Scott, one more game I want to get into before I take our first break here on Roto Experts in the Morning on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network. The Texas Rangers go into Kansas City. They get a win 6-3. to three. I bring this up because I want to shout out three specific things and give props uh, in three ways. One, Scott... Did you know that our guy J-Rod and Roto Cleo picked Shinsu Chu to go yard and it worked out? This is the second time now J-Rod has picked Shinsu Chu to go yard and he did it correctly, Chu, with his 13th home run of the season. So big shout out to J-Rod there. I also want to give a shout out to get a whiff of my Bartolo Colon. He gets his fourth win of the season going six innings, strike. Uh, three earned one, striking out only one. But I bring this up because he now has more wins than any other Dominican-born pitcher in Major League Baseball history, passing Juan Marichal for that owner. And while I'm shouting out Dominicans, this Puerto Rican from the Bronx also has to shout out Adrian Beltre, who hit his third home run of the year. Scott Beltre keeps chugging along. He's hitting 322. Where do you want to go with these Rangers, Scott? Yeah, inside injuries actually recommended trading him because he's going to remain a high injury risk, uh, you know, especially in his age and he's getting banged up. He can still hit, but, you know, if you can move him for anything, inside injuries, just saying maybe get rid of him. Bartolo Colon's been uh, up and down this year. Shinsu Chu's having a renaissance season. You know, people thought he was done like two, three years ago, and he's having a terrific first half. Yeah, absolutely. So big shout out to our guy J-Rod who nailed the chew pick and to, uh, you know, two of these uh, Dominican born baseball stars, Adrian Beltre and of course, Bartolo Cologne. Hey, Scott, we are off and running. We got a lot to do today. When we come back here on Roto Experts in the morning, right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, I'm going to ask Scott, who got banged up a little bit yesterday? He'll give you his bumps and bruises, a couple maybe more games to talk about. Then we got to preview DFS Daily Fantasy 
for a Tuesday when everybody's in play. And then Michael Waterloo has a great article on Roto Experts in the morning. We'll talk about who's rising, who's falling in the month of June. All that and more. You got the spitting statistician and El Rey de Fantasia. It's Roto Experts in the morning. Come on right back. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. And I got what it takes to rock a mic like what? Hey, Scott, you're educating me on KISS. This is Beanie Siegel. Uh, he was in like Jay-Z's crew in the late 90s, the early 2000s. This is one of Beanie Siegel's. He is not. Um, he's Siegel. one of those. That's true. He'd be one of those African-American Jews, which uh, there are not too many of them. This is Beanie Siegel representing Amari Philadelphia. Yeah, Amari Stoudemire, he did his birthright. He went out there. I did see that. Uh, we keep it moving here, though, Scott, on Roto Experts in the morning. If you want to join the show, by the way, uh, the number to call is 844-843-6879. I also want to tell people, Scott, we've got our Face of Baseball tournament chugging right along. We are in the second round. As you expected, Scott, Mike Trout took out Justin Verlander. The upset is done um, in that our second round matchup today is the one seed back in action, Scott. It is the one seed Bryce Harper against the eight seed Albert Pujols, kind of uh, the present meets the past in this one, Scott. Um, right now, Harper is pulling away with two-thirds of the vote. It's like uh, 67-33. You think that's pretty much going to hold, right? Bryce Harper is the one sheet. Seed. It is. Should but move right on now, to the semis. It'd be a more interesting debate if you ask me who this, the better hitter is right now. It's like Bryce Harper's really struggling. He's got his average down to 213 right now, if you haven't noticed. Oh, wow. Tom Verducci did a great, great piece uh, if you're going to watch quick pitch today on MLB Network, you know, two and a half way throughout the show, you know, I caught it early this morning. Tom Verducci is just brilliant. You know, I just I, I love watching, reading, listening to the guy. And he talks about why Harper is struggling so much. Like he went over three against Sonny Gray last night. And he's, he's over anxious. He's chasing pitches out of the zone and getting away from his hitting mechanics and just uh, – Outside of the first two weeks of the season, Harper's been a big disappointment. Meanwhile, Albert Pujols this month has five home runs and 14 RBIs. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, remember the last time we brought up Albert Pujols? He took out Clayton Kershaw in the first round, Scott, and we were saying, like, oh, Albert Pujols, maybe he was the face of baseball, like, in a bygone era, you know, maybe, like, 10 years ago or something. But right now, in the here and now, Pujols is hot and Harper is not. Hey, Scott, do you think? 
I mean, remember we had Rusty Ryle on about a month ago, and he was talking about how important the mental side of things are. So, you know, I mean, I know you can't get into the player's head, Scott, but as we know, this free agency, you know, Bryce Harper is kind of the face of next year's big-time free agent class, you know, where he's supposed to get $300, $350 million, and all these guys, you know, the Donaldsons of the world are out there as well. Do you think maybe he's uh, pressing to have – big-time stats because he knows that that money is on the doorstep? Do you think that there's anything uh, to that in his mind? With all respect, I think that's over-analysis. It could be. That, that, that's the way that fans look at the game. The players don't look at the right. game right now. You know, talking about Verducci's piece right now, they're giving Bryce Harper nothing to hit. They're, they're working him on the outside part of the plate in a very mm-hmm. small area. They're working him down in the zone. Gray had very good command last night and was hitting the outside part. He's over anxious and he's chasing pitches and he's you know, he's lost he's lost his better mechanics. That's all it is. It has nothing to do with free agency. All right, fair you know, enough. These, these guys are trained, especially Bryce Harper. These guys are trained. If you ever saw the movie For the Love of the Game, yes. you know, and when he would, when he would, when Quaid would talk about Release the mechanism, and he would block right. everything out. Right, right, Those right. guys are trained to block everything out. They're trained to deal with the pressure, et cetera, and to tune things out. You know, we're not players. We're fans. We, we, we in the media talk about these things more than the players do. They have different perspectives than, than we do on it. Well, fair enough, but they don't have to talk about it for hours and hours a day. They just got to go out and perform. Maybe, Scott, the idea that Daniel Murphy is back in that lineup helping out could be a little bit of a help. Speaking of the return that, that's of— not, That's not going to make pitchers pitch Harper any different. Okay. Right now, they're enough. succeeding with getting him out. And well, let me ask you until, this, though, Scott. Uh, until he adjusts back, because baseball is a constant game of adjustments, as cliche as it sounds, they're yeah. going to keep pitching it that way. I think that's I think that's fair, okay, Scott. And you say that um, that won't help, but when, even when we had Rusty Ryle on, he did remember back in back in you know say May when Goldie was scuffling so much, he did allude to the fact that there was no JD Martinez in that lineup anymore. AJ Pollock was gone. The support around him, he did allude to like the players kind of taking note of that. And so I'm just trying to you know make the analogy of Murphy supporting Harper in that lineup. It sounds like players sometimes do think about what they have when around you, them. Maybe not because of what they think about, when you but find- because pitchers pitch them differently. If they if they don't have to, uh, you know, like you said, if they just work in the edges, they don't need to go over the meat of the plate. They're not worried about walking them so they could pitch a little bit more fine to these superstars. With Harper, it's not like when Murphy wasn't out, there wasn't good other good hitters in the lineup there. Mm-hmm. And with Harper, you got to attack him on his own. You can't worry about the rest of the lineup there. Uh, you you want you want to get him out. Or you you you, know, you don't want him to, to to hit a home run. They found an effective way to pitch him, and that's going to continue until he personally adjusts. You know, he's pressing right now at, at the plate with Goldsmith. There was something that you know his former teammate Rusty didn't talk about that we never brought up. You know, Harp, he, Goldsmith was hit in the head, you know, during a minor league game in spring training, and sometimes that that has an effect on a player too. So that's but with with Goldschmidt, he he was just cold. It's he wasn't he wasn't doing anything differently. He just he wasn't getting the results. It's it's it sounds it sounds bland. But mm-hmm. you, nobody nobody no one had an answer for why Goldschmidt was so cold. 
Well, fair enough, but he's heating up right now. He, he, you- he doesn't have A.J. Pollock. He doesn't have J.D. Martinez. And this guy is absolutely killing it right now. Fair enough. Goldie is definitely hot. And as we talk about all the time, this is a game of inputs, not necessarily outputs. You control what you can control. Have a good at-bat, put a good swing on the ball, and see what happens. Hey, Scott, we got some injuries to talk about. Who got banged up? Who's on the way back here uh, for their teams and for your fantasy teams? What's the injury report, Scott? Very interesting about how Clayton Kershaw has uh, pitched one simulated game and now it says that he's going to be ready to pitch within the next five days and come off the DL. It's not the first time that he's done it, and uh, so it's going to be very interesting to see. Could we see Clayton Kershaw back within the next five days? You know, keep him triggered. You know, I got him on, on my bench waiting for him to come back. Uh, also, uh, Jeremy Hellickson uh, is going to throw a simulated game today. He's dealing with the uh, hamstring injury. Javier Baez is supposed to come back from an elbow injury uh, as soon as today. Uh, Jay Bruce was scratched from the Mets lineup yesterday because he's dealing with with, a, with continued hip and back problems. So I had to pull him out of one of my lineups. Brett Gardner missed the, du- the doubleheader yesterday with the Yankees. He continues to did deal with a knee injury. And uh, Clint Frazier was actually called up from the minor leagues. Yeah. So there could be some real concern there. Uh, Avasail Garcia is expected to uh, come back this weekend. All right, fair enough. I'll add just one more because I know from my good old Trevor Ending story, Matt Adams as well um, with a finger. He got plunked uh, over the weekend trying to bunt. And so he hasn't, uh, he hasn't played since Friday either. You, you, you know, I got to bring it back to the Clint Frazier and the Yankees, right? They're doing it for Gardner, right, because he's got the sore knee. Do you think in any way they might be trying to showcase him as well because of this trading deadline stuff? Or is that one of those fan uh, narratives of mine? I th- I think uh, I think Frazier has value, regardless. Right. Okay, so he's someone that they don't need to Look, showcase we're, we're, because we're the league knows guilty. that we're all guilty of the fan narrative. You know, a lot of guys in the media do it too. So mm-hmm. you know, they we just you know, I think you learn that being on, you know, kind of on the beat. But you know, it's not a bad thing necessarily because. Sure. You know, not not everybody is is ar- around the game all the time, and you know is exposed to the way that that players think. And often players aren't forthcoming too. It's you know you have to read and pick and read between the lines when guys are bullshitting you or telling you the truth. Absolutely, absolutely. So yes, the league already knows that Clint Frazier is a blue chip prospect, but he'll get some chance in in pinstripes with Gardner a little bit on the men. They think he's got a sore knee. I think he went for an MRI. Scotty, I gotta tell you, listen. If you want to go to a 2000 World Series game, maybe you're a Nationals fan. Maybe you're maybe you're a Nationals fan. Maybe you're a Yankees fan or a Red Sox fan, an Indians fan. Maybe and you think Corey your Parson, team. You're both. Maybe there you go. And you think your team might be there? Well, I've got a way for you to potentially win tickets to a 2018 World Series game. Tune into the Fantasy Sports Radio Network between July 8th and July 17th in a few weeks. We'll be playing the DKMS Trivia Challenge for your shot to call in and win and get a chance to go see the Fall Classic in person. You know the number already. It's 844-843-6879. What we're doing is we got a contest sponsored by DKMS. You know the folks over at DKMS. They look for your help in the fight against blood cancer. I say it all the time. You could be hitting 300 like JT Real Muto, and that is a great 
average in baseball, but 30% when you're talking about finding a matching donor just uh, about blood cancer, that is not going to cut it. We need you to help out. Go check it out at dailyroto.com slash DKMS. That's dailyroto.com slash DKMS. We've also got the DKMS Trivia Challenge July 8th through the 17th. You could holler at us and potentially win two tickets to the Fall Classic. You think they would take us? Scott, if one of our listeners won, you know, you think they would take you, me, or Jake? Uh, I think I think if it was like one of our longtime listeners, like a Ron Cafferty or somebody yeah. like that, they would might take, take you, right? us. Yeah. yeah, they would take you. I think that's a good. I think that's a good idea. All right, but as we talk about daily roto, okay, go on over there. You get your potential, you get chance to win tickets. You got the free daily fantasy games going on over there. Let's get you ready for DFS on a Tuesday. Before we, talk we about do the that, pitchers. though, oh, sorry, go ahead, Scott. Go ahead, Scott. you have to go over to dailyroto.com and read the article there this morning about how dailyroto.com produced a millionaire maker this I was going to get to golf. that. Yes. I was going to get to that, Scott, at dailyroto.com. Remember, we had Colin Drew on to talk about golf, and yes, it was a Daily Roto subscriber that I think shared the millionaire, right? A tied for the millie maker, I believe, had all mm-hmm. uh, the golfers, all like kind of the top six guys. You know, I mean, there was one guy who went – kind of on a run on Sunday. I think it was Fleetwood maybe. Went on a run on Sunday. Had the winner, now defending champion twice in a row. Kepka wins it. Had guys like Paul Casey, who we uh, Daily Roto recommended. You know, Tony Finau, who put on a good display as well. But yes, uh, Daily Roto continuing to make millionaires in the world of DFS. Hey, Scott, we got some aces on the hill today. You got Verlander on the hill. You got Chris Sale on the hill. I, however, am in intrigued by going slightly less. I love Mike Clevenger today against the White Sox. He had his last outing against the White Sox, Scott, went seven innings, and I believe he struck out like 11 guys in his last outing in that against the same team. What do you think about that, Scott, generally, when you get two turns in a row and you're facing the same team? Do you think it's harder to match that performance, or do you, like, no, have their number kind of thing. Or if you see them twice in the span of a week, is it maybe, uh, should I go off Clevenger today because maybe the White Sox can uh, get a good read on him because they saw him five days earlier? I think that might be a little overanalyzing it. Okay. You know, Clevenger's That's a what good I do. pitcher. And, and the White Sox are not a good lineup. You know, okay. maybe for a hitter or two, like, you, you, you see these guys a few times a year. And it, you think the White Sox could still get shut out. So, you know, I, I like Clevenger, period. It's, you know, based off, based off the matchup. He's just a good you know, maybe, for a, maybe for a Jose Abreu or somebody who's got good uh, sample size against him, you know, maybe that applies. But I don't think all in, up and down the lineup. So I like Clevenger. I also like Mike Soroka. Uh, against mm-hmm. Toronto, he's two and one with a two fifty seven ERA. He's shown he can take advantage of weak lineups, and I don't want to do this because I have him on my team. And whenever I recommend a guy on my mm-hmm. seasonal team, and I recommend him in daily, he gets blown up. I like Matt Boyd against the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, he's got a three twenty three ERA going against Sal Romano against the other side. You know he could could get some run support as well. Fair enough. You got some other mid-level options today. Vince Velasquez coming off of his very strong outing where I think he went six no-hit innings last time around. Cole Hamels, Luke, Luke Weaver also going tonight. You like? It? Let me ask you this, Scott. I want to ask you about Rich Hill. Rich Hill is cheap, you know, on DraftKings today. You know, Rich Hill is the guy, I mean, last year he was a guy who pitched 
well, very well, right? But would only go five innings, you know? So I would never get the quality start that I needed out of Rich Hill. You know, he's always had blister issues. He hasn't pitched as well this year. He's, what, he's in his late 30s. Um, what's going on with Rich Hill? Rich Hill's like an older guy. Yeah. And, you know, he can't get the length and he can't stay healthy. Of course, he's not on the daily slate today because that game is at one ten. But it's a day game. Uh, you know, I, I think when he's when he's healthy, which is rare, and depending on the matchup, you can stream him. But I don't expect a whole lot from Rich Hill at this point. Okay, fair enough. Is he someone though, Scott? Because I, I I had it so many times where he would go like five and two thirds and give up only one run. You know, that sort of thing. And he would, you know, be, fall just shy of that quality start. There are other guys in the league like that. Are, are, there, are there guys that, you know, if you're in a quality start league versus a wins league that make a big-time difference? I'm also thinking about guys like, say, like Chris Archer even. Guys that are on teams that don't do well, but you get a good pitching performance. Look at Jacob deGrom, for example, remember? Pitching to a 0.87 ERA, and his team is 2-8 and eight in those last 10 games. How do you, how do you play? What, what differences do you look at if you're, say, in a wins league versus a quality starts league? Are you more apt to get stud pitchers from uh, poorly performing teams? I treated the both. It's, it's, I like the quality start, although, you know, there's been debates on his six innings pitch and three earned right. runs. It's really a 4.5 ERA if you do that all year. You can get 32 quality starts and have a 4.5 ERA. I realize you can't chase wins in fantasy baseball, so I don't base, you know, my draft picks or my, my waiver pickups based on that. You know, sometimes guys will pitch real well and – you know, you won't see him win. You know, you'll you'll see guys like, like you see you see on the White Sox. You know, some you know, some of these kids have pitched really well, but they haven't picked up the wins. Like Ronaldo Lopez has right. not pitched as well as his as his as his record may indicate. Uh, so you know, if it's on a wins league, I don't worry about it. The quality starts league, I think it just boosts the appeal, but it really doesn't change my rankings or estimations. Like a whole lot. Like you know, you look at some more of these these losing teams. I don't want Danny Duffy on my roster. You know, no matter what the format is. You know, I don't care. I don't. I don't want a Danny Duffy. Uh, you know, I want a Caleb Smith, and it's going to be healthy bidding for him when he was a free agent. No matter what, 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 what you're playing. Of course, you'll get you'll get better. You, you'll get more points for quality starts, or you'll be higher in the standings for quality starts if you play in that league. But I think everything ultimately is relative. All right, fair enough. You know, keep an eye out on that sometimes. Listen, you, remember, we always say this. The first rule of fantasy sports is know your settings, right? And there are some differences between average and on-base percentage leagues. There's some difference between wins and quality starts. But just make sure you know your settings because that will obviously um, give you the keys to, you know, get some of those inefficiencies out there. Hey, Scott, we got Michael Waterloo, great staff writer for RotoExperts.com. He's got a great piece out there on fantasy baseball. He's doing kind of his risers and fallers. Before we get to that, though, Scott, I know this week, correct me if I'm wrong, the uh, exclusive edge 
football package is going to start happening, going to start dropping articles. Tell the people out there, what are they going to start to see for fantasy football? And how could they, you know, maybe sign up for the exclusive edge package? How can they start to get all the access, getting them what they need for fantasy football as the research and drafts start get going? Yeah, we're going to launch it this week, sometime this week. And, okay. uh, you know, all the information will be on the RotoExperts.com homepage. And we'll definitely be letting you know how to get in. All right, absolutely. Keep it locked there because, listen, you want to get the head start. You want to be early with it. Know everything you need to know. Jake and I previewing You're talking about, th- about 30 articles right, wow. right about the gate. You got to start reading early. Wait a second. So when we launch this later on this week, there's going to already be 30 articles there? Approximately, yes. Wow, Scott. It sounds like we're going to have to start. I think we're going to have to start, uh, Scott, maybe using part of this hour to dive into some of those articles and maybe really promote it. Or do we not want to let the people know? Do we not want to kind of go behind the curtain because they got to get the exclusive edge package for that? Or do we want to start talking about some of these articles the same way we talk about Brandon Williams, George Kurtz, and the Michael Waterloo baseball articles? Or is this like special so we don't want to, uh, we don't want to let everybody everyone know how do we want to treat that scott are we going to let the people... art of the te- it's the art of the tease the art of the tease yeah. all right you know it's uh you know it's 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 like how should i say this it's uh you know oh i, I can't wait to see how you say this one scott. you know it, it, it'll, it'll, it'll it'll be like a, it would be like a table dance you'll get like a nice sample a nice sample know, but ultimately, ultimately but it's only 20 dollars worth back. right yeah, it's only twenty dollars. You're gonna have to go back to the champagne room, you know. Got it. And we know yeah. what happens in the champagne room. Chris Rock once told me. All right, fair enough. So we'll we'll figure out the art of the tease once the exclusive edge package comes out for sure. You get the King Scott angle. You get guys like the All In Kid, Jake Seeley, all of the great writers there on RotoExperts.com, really getting you ready for football. But while we're still talking baseball, listen. Scott, at this point of the season, some of the teams are dropping out. You may be able to kind of, uh, you know, kind of uh, steal a player who's really doing well in the month of June. And Michael Waterloo has his notable risers and fallers. I want to touch on some of these yeah, his, guys. His, uh, his latest in-season rankings. Yeah. Uh, the la- to use for your trade and uh, waiver purposes. Absolutely. So we've got the in-season rankings. So I want to look at these quote-unquote notable risers in Michael's article. These are guys that you maybe want to try to grab so you can – you know, kind of get ahead of the game. Maybe you sell off a guy who, you know, is just a name recognition kind of value guy and really get one of these. And I look at the outfield right away. And look at these are all kids, Scotty. Juan Soto, who we discuss, Austin Meadows, who we discuss, Brandon Nemo, who is hot. Let's talk really quick about these shortstops. Brandon Crawford has been absolutely scorching since the calendar has turned to May. And then on the other side, you have Eduardo Escobar. Scott, I think he He's the guy that let's talk about Escobar for a second, because I think he's the guy that gets lost in the shuffle. There's been a few times this year, Scott, where I've talked about all the incredible shortstop play in the American League. We talk about Lindor. We talk about, um, you know, Manny Machado, Carlos Correa. You bring up how great of a year Segura has had. I always bring up even guys like Tim Anderson, Didi Gregorius, Angelton Simmons. That's already seven. And we haven't named yet Eduardo Escobar, who, by the way, is having a very strong season as well. I think he leads uh, in extra base hits or doubles in the American League. He's hitting around 300. He's having a great year. Tell me about Eduardo Escobar. Yeah, he's he's having a terrific year. 
Uh, you know, best year so far. Him and him and Rosario have just been great mm-hmm. for the uh, the Minato- the, Minot- the Minnesota Twins. And again, you know, they, you're right. You know, we've gotten some really good shortstop play. By the way, Elvis Andrews was finally activated from the, uh, the 60-day DL uh, last year. But Escobar and Rosario have been two great stories for the Minnesota Twins right now. Uh, Escobar three for four with uh, with three doubles in his last last game out. He's hitting 302 with 12 home runs, 34 RBIs. Uh, the BABIP is 354 right now, so I think you're going to see some regression there. But uh, you know, still having a terrific year, and you, know, you look at the you look at Michael Waterloo's in season ranks right now, and you know some very interesting uh, ranks there in shortstops like Didi Gregorius, who's run both hot and cold. Right. He's eighth. He actually has Glaber Torres at number ten, Javier Baez at, at number eleven. Like it's showing the depth that he has. Uh, Brandon Crawford actually number thirteen right now. Simmons uh, Willie Escobar. Willie Dames recently came back up. Uh, mm-hmm. To the majors, you know, so he's a hot pickup, and he's got Tim Anderson a little bit low, I think, at twenty-two. I, I probably disagree with that. Yeah, but it just to your point, Scott. Well, we've talked about this a lot. It shows the depth at shortstop. You know, we talk about Brandon Crawford, how scorching hot he is, and he's at thirteen. You know, we talk about Javi Baez, you know, who has been a source of power and stolen bases among the league leaders in the NL in RBIs, and he's outside the top 10 at shortstop. Once again, just speaking to the depth of the shortstop position. One other guy who's rising I want to talk about very quickly, Scott, is Jesus Aguilar. You know, he came in originally from Milwaukee when, uh, mm. when Thims or Thames got hurt, you know, but now he's back. So what's up with Aguilar? Uh, it's pretty much going to be a platoon, but you know he's exactly that's he's what been, I was wondering. He, he's he's been splitting time, and you're probably you're, you're probably going to be uh, seeing a lot more Thames this week because you know they're facing a lot of righties. So maybe like we've squeezed all the juice out of the Aguilar orange, but that be might that be the case? Because I, I saw hurts, him on this list, it hurts and I'm a value. little bit yeah, I'm a little bit you know I have cause for pause there as soon as Thames is back. You know he had a nice, but you know they, they they can be creative in keeping him in the lineup too. Let's not let's not throw a total dark cloud over it because you know they can have one guy play first base and the other the outfield and give some guys in the outfield days off. So you know it's not a total loss. No, absolutely, and as always, there's some interleague play, you know, so if they're ever in an American League ballpark, you also should see both of them in the lineup. For more of this, go on over to rotoexperts.com. Michael Waterloo has a great article there, and remember, as the King Scott Angle just said, we're going to be dropping the exclusive edge, you know, football package as we turn the calendar, okay? And Scott and I will be managing the art of the tease moving forward as we kind of pre- Review this and get everything you need to know moving forward for uh, fantasy football and, of course, over there at Roto Experts. Hey, Scott, had a great day with you, man. I really enjoy uh, our first hour waking up. We cock-a-doodle-do-it together. Uh, you want to tell the people goodbye? You got any Roto Cleo picks or anything like that for the people? J-Rod hit it with Shin- Shinsu Chu yesterday. Uh, want to tell the people I'm gonna goodbye? Go Matthew Boyd. I'm going to go Matthew Boyd today. All right, we'll see what Matthew Boyd is. We got a little, oh, we got a little uh, reggaeton to go on out right now. Roto Experts in the morning. Fantasy Sports Radio Network. We got the all-in kid up next. Hey, Scott, you have a great rest of your day, okay, brother man? You too, my my friend, yes.
You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. You are now tuned in to the Roto Experts. Welcome back to Roto Experts in the morning right here on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network. We continue to cockle-doodle-do it on a Tuesday, June 19th. I got my guy, the all-in kid, Jake Seeley. Jake, are you, how do you feel today? You going all-in with middle pair on a high kicker? You drawing to the nut flush, or do you already have a made hand? How you feeling, Jake? I'm just feeling fine. <laughs> Just feeling fine. Doesn't want to play with the analogies, but that's okay. It's all good. We roll on. Hey, Jake, I got a couple of news and notes to bounce off you, but then we're going to go into our team-by-team preview today. You know, we're going to go into the AFC South. Maybe we talk a little bit about the Indianapolis Colts. We know the linchpin there is obviously the health of Andrew Luck, so we'll get into that. And then, you know, Jake, You talk about drafting early, you know. Well, you know, the all-in kid sometimes does, in fact, draft early. We'll take a look at one of the early drafts you did with football diehards, kind of some, uh, you know, putting your money where your mouth is, all the kind of advice and strategy we talk about here as we bring the uh, hashtag check the link to life. We'll talk about some of the decisions you made on that a little bit later on in the show. I don't know if you saw also, Jake, on uh, Roto Clio, our guy J-Rod. Now, you know, you go with J.D. Martinez all the time, Jake, for the home run. Do you know that J-Rod has now twice been correct with Shin Soo Chu hitting a home run? Oh, that's yeah, that's only twice though, so it's not like it's yeah. But Shin Su Chu was also not J D Martinez, you know what I mean? So to be able to nail that twice, I think it's pretty impressive. Uh, he was, shout out he to was a he was a very popular DFS pick last night. So really, give all right, fine. Yeah, yeah, way to way to way to throw the wet blanket over our guy J Rod. It's all good, you know. We love our fans here on Roto Experts in the morning. Well, no, you're, you're making it sound like he was, you know, taking like uh, I don't know, like uh, Jose Reyes to go deep, Billy Billy Hamilton <laughs> to go yeah. yard or <laughs> something like that. Fair enough, Jake. You know, hey, we all have our shtick. I, I I like to big up our listeners. Let me ask you this, Jake. And I know we have talked about this team before. I'm talking about the Cleveland Browns, Jake. I We've heard a number of reports over the weekend. I heard once that Baker Mayfield was, quote-unquote, far behind Tyrod Taylor. I saw another one yesterday that Baker Mayfield, quote-unquote, not ready to compete with Tyrod Taylor. I know we talk about all these rookie quarterbacks, and in this day and age, how they see the field so quick because of, A, the level of investment, and B, coaches don't have the liberty of years and years and years to see these things happen, right? They have to get on the good foot right away. But Jake, it was only, I don't know, five, ten years ago, where a first-round pick, even a number one overall pick, would sit and learn for a while. Tyrod Taylor is a competent quarterback. So what I want to ask you, Jake, is... If you had to put a percentage, what percent chance do you think Baker Mayfield actually sits all year and actually zero. just lets zero? It is impossible. No, he's, there's no way on earth he's sitting the entire season. Even, I mean, like, this, I'm just saying, Jake, this would not have been crazy 10 years ago. You know what I mean? I, but it's not 10 years ago. You asked me so what talk- the percentage chance was this year, so he's not sitting the entire year. 
So tell me a little bit about this evolution, because that's part of what I said. You know, this idea that, you know, the investments are so big in these rookies. The coaches don't have the leash that they once did, maybe. Why do you think that is, Jake? Why do you think, like you said, you're absolutely right. It's not 10 years ago. It's 2018. Why do you think this evolution has taken place so that if I asked you this question 10 years ago, the answer would have been, you know, maybe even higher than 50%. And now you are very strong, like, no, Mayfield is going to see the field. And I would ask, you know, you would probably say the same thing about guys like Rosen, guys like Allen. We're even talking about Lamar Jackson in this. Why has this changed, Jake? I don't know that it has. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. 10 years ago, the number one pick in the draft was definitively going to sit for the entire season. I mean, I'd have to go back and look. I don't know for the top of my head, but I don't, I don't know that that, was, that would be a fact. You're, all right, fine, but you don't just, think that, I, you, don't think that uh, you know, kind of these rookie kids were sitting and learning and watching more? Mm, I wouldn't say maybe more, but again, I mean, I don't know off the top of my head. I, I think if, you, if we were having a debate outside of work and you were like, yeah, 10 years ago, these first-round quarterbacks weren't playing much, I would basically say, I don't know if I believe you. I want to go look it up. Just because okay. I think everybody like automatically thinks about Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers sat because he was behind Brett Favre. Right, Aaron he was Rogers behind Brett Favre. Just, he was like the 20-something overall pick. I understand that. Right. But even, I mean, I don't know. I mean, and I'm trying to figure out like the actual year, let's say, right? You know, did Tim Couch no, start because, right away? Did Achilles Smith start right away? Then did Donovan McNabb start right away? You know, I'm not, I, I'm not sure. I don't remember. But I do feel well, like this I know is players sort of like, changing. Jake Locker and Blaine Gabbert both suck start for the first right. season. Yeah, yep, yep. So they did. Did Christian Ponder start right away in that same draft? No, so that's what I'm saying. Is you have to go back and check the link, do the do the research. All right, fair enough. So, so yeah, I mean, in I any feel case, like it has moved. But go ahead. I don't. I I, I don't know that it has. Maybe a no. little bit to a little more degree, but that's just the fact that the NFL is looking for their next quarterback. Everybody wants their next quarterback. But as I said, it's still zero percent. It's just once they're out of it for this season, they're going to move on to Mayfield, whether it's quickly or whether it takes half the season because they have a pretty advantageous first half schedule. And Tyrod Taylor is a good quarterback. It might take a little while, but at some point, Baker Mayfield's starting for this team, even if. Let me just press you one more thing here, Jake. Like you say, Baker Mayfield, uh, excuse me, Tyrod Taylor is a, you know, a legitimate NFL quarterback. You know, I think, I think he has proven that. Um, we've talked about how the offensive line is solid. We've talked about how there's more weapons now. We've both agree that we think the Ravens and the Bengals are maybe on the decline there. We've both said maybe the Browns could be in second place in this division. Is there a universe where the Browns are, you know, in fact, a fringe wild card contender? And in that case, they don't make the move. Like, what if Jake? I mean, what if this team is? I don't know. What if this team is six and five in November? Not happening. Okay. All right. Like, uh, there is so there is no universe where they let Tyrod Taylor play out the string because they're actually competitive. For the fifth time. All right. No. All right. Fine. Clearly. Clearly, Jake Seeley is not going to take the bait on the Cleveland Browns and these rookie quarterbacks. Let's keep it moving then, Jake. One thing, one player. You know, we're going to go into our AFC South previews and get it started with the Indianapolis Colts today. But I wanted to bring up the Colts today because, listen, we're hearing reports that uh, Andrew Luck says he is pain-free. We're going to talk about what the impact is on, you know, Andrew Luck and his ADP What uh, for T.Y. Hilton and others. But the people I want to ask you about, Jake, before we dive into to the preview here is the tight ends. You know, Jack Doyle, 
uh, is a guy that a lot of people kind of um, like. But I, I think it's under kind of reported, and we haven't talked about this much. They went out and got Eric Ebron in the offseason. And I don't know that this offense can support two tight ends. You know, they've tried for a couple of years. You know, guys like Kobe Fleener, guys like Eric Swope, you know, for God's sakes. Um, what do you think the Colts are trying to do at tight end, Jake? Do you think this offense can support both Doyle and Ebron? Or is this now becoming kind of, you know, similar to in Tampa Bay where you have Brayt and Howard, and if you have two tight ends, that really means you have none. What do you think happens in this tight end room here, Jake? The same thing has been happening for years. The, the Colts like two tight ends, and it's going to, you know, Ebron's going to take away some of the value from Jack Doyle, but Jack Doyle will still be the number one because Eric Ebron has his own issues, whether it's this, the fact that his route running is questionable at times, his hands are always questionable, but this is just an offense. This is what it is. They, they run a lot of 12. The people just have to understand that. Every single year, we joke about it and say you're always aggravated the second tight end behind the lead guy, and it was Jack Doyle one year, and it was Dwayne Allen one year, and it, like you just get aggravated the second guy up, but that's just the way the Colts run the offense. I don't know why people keep thinking things are going to change. That's, that's what the Colts like. Yeah, so I guess, listen, I, I accept that, okay? Like, they're going to just run uh, a lot of two, two tight end formations. Um, but for me, that even, you know, that, like you said, eating into Jack Doyle, uh, do you have Jack Doyle still as a, as a tight end one? Like, couldn't if, – if you have two tight ends there and both of them have the ability to produce and catch passes, to me, it kind of downplays both of them. I think it depresses the value of both of them. Do you see one standing out above the other big time and one being viable and another not? Or do these kind of, you know, eat into each other's potential? No, it's the fact of what it's going to continue to be. There's always been a tight end one there. It's always been the lead option has been the tight end one. It's just the guy behind him takes away what could be a guaranteed top five, top ten. So, yeah, Jack Doyle is still a fringe tight end one. But anybody who wanted more and thought that he could potentially you know, break out if Andrew Luck's there and to be a top five tight end, that's just not going to happen now. All right, fair enough. Let's keep it moving. Going into our Indianapolis Colts, let's stay with the Colts a little bit, Jake. Let's start right there with Andrew Luck, okay? I mean, listen, Andrew Luck, to be quite honest, if he's healthy and if he's playing 16 games, remember, the Indianapolis Colts, they throw the ball more than most teams, you know? Andrew Luck is going to, you know, drop back over 600 times. He's going to throw the ball like 600 times. Andrew Luck is a guy who, you know, may throw for 4,500 yards, but what I want to ask you about, Jake, is do people remember, because now he hasn't played, you know, for over a year. Tell the people out there, in my opinion, Andrew Luck, part of his biggest value is that he runs the ball a lot more than people think as well. And he runs around. the. He's not Cam Newton, okay? But he was a guy who would also get rushing touchdowns. He was a guy that would quarterback sneak from the one-yard line. He's a guy that would scramble and be a little bit more elusive than people thought. Do you think Andrew Luck continues uh, his retains his uh, value as a, as a rusher in, in fantasy as well? Is that still something you could expect as a little bit of an added bonus if you do have Andrew Luck? Yeah, because why? Why would it change? It's not the. I don't know. The Maybe they're trying to protect just, him more, something like that. No, it's just he didn't hurt his legs. He hurt his shoulder. So you know he can get hurt on your shoulder just like Tony Romo. Any given play, it's not going to matter. The fact that he's like you take that away from him, you're taking away part of the threat of what he is. So they're not going to tell him not to ever run. I just I don't see anything that's ever going to change. Your, your point is exactly what it is. Andrew Luck has added value with another two, three hundred rushing yards and maybe a two, three rushing touchdowns on the season. 
and that's what makes Andrew Luck worthy of the top five when he's 100% healthy. Okay, you say he's worthy of a top five when he's 100% healthy. Do you think, how do you think it's going to play this year with Andrew Luck, Jake, in terms of this? Do you think more and more people are going to try to maybe stay away from him, being concerned about injuries or regression or not being fully healthy, the time it takes to get his feet back under him? Does Andrew Luck somehow this year represent value? I know you and me are not going to kind of go up because someone in the league, you know, that you're drafting in is going to draft him as quarterback five or quarterback six or something like that. But might there be some value because people are maybe staying away from Andrew Luck today. Could he represent value this year, Jake? Yeah, of course. It just obviously depends on where it goes in your draft. I mean, it's, if he's the yeah, it's all relative. Yeah, if it's ninth, tenth quarterback off the board, yeah, you could get some huge value there if he's healthy, and that's why he's falling to that spot is because it's still June and people still have questions of whether he's even playing Week One. Yeah, I, I also have questions. Things seem to be trending in the right direction. Remember, though, I told you about that line among the Cincinnati Bengals in week one. But let's move on, Jake. Let's move on to this wide receiver room. Um, Jake, I was a big fan the last few years, although it never – he had a great chemistry with Andrew Luck. I'm talking about Dante Moncrief, and he is gone now from this team. And when I look at this roster, Jake, honestly, when I look at guys like Ryan Grant, Chester Rogers, the kid Dion Kane, I'm, I'm a little skeptical of this wide receiver room. Obviously, there's T.Y. Hilton, who I believe and I think you agree is a back-end wide receiver one, especially if Andrew Luck is there. Two years ago, he led the NFL in receiving yards but Jake there is a huge precipitous drop after T.Y. Hilton talk to me here who do you like as maybe this number two guy because if you can get the number two wide receiver correct here you may represent some value if Andrew Luck there is there and you're right and it's Ryan Grant or you're right and Deion Kane comes on or whatever the case may be is there potential if you nail who that true second wide receiver is for the Colts and who do you think that might be well, of course there's value because it's Andrew Luck's at quarterback and he's throwing for 4,500 yards. There's going to be value there. So I've been on the fact that since the draft rolled around that Deion Kane is their second best wide receiver. Hmm. Most people don't agree with me, but I've been saying that since the draft. And because That's the kid Chester out of Clemson, Rogers, correct? Yeah, Ch- yeah, Chester Rogers is Chester Rogers. And, uh, I mean, really, Ryan Grant, his breakout season was 400 yards and five touchdowns. Like, seriously, that's your breakout season? Or 504, <laughs> whatever it was. Who cares? It's, that's ridiculous. There's a right. reason that the Ravens screwed him over. I don't like what the Ravens did to him. But at the same time, there's a reason why they were like, oh, Crabtree's available. Oh, we found an injury. So the fact is, as it comes down to it, is Deion Kane is their most talented receiver to be their potential number two. And there's one beat reporter who just last week said, don't dismiss Deion Kane from threatening to be a starter on this team. And I think he was mostly talking about the third, but I, I'm telling you, like Deion Kane will be this, similar to the same situation with Michael Gallup with the Cowboys. Mm. Both of them might not be from week one, but for the second half of the season, both of them will be starters for their teams. Hey, that brings up an interesting question. You know, you talk about this guy, maybe not week one, but as time goes on, he'll kind of ascend into that role. Jay, can you tell me, because I, I don't like to only give the people a fish. I like to teach them how to fish here on Roto Experts in the Morning on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I, I'm always dealing with these kinds of players who I believe eventually will assume the role, but you have to balance, like, you know, the spots you have on your roster. For example, last year, Jake, I listened to you, and I had Jamal Williams on all of my teams, and I was holding on to him. I was holding on to him, right? And then, boom, we get the injury, but then it turns out to be Aaron Jones, right, Uh, for those couple of weeks, and that was the point. 
Jake, when I was like, you know what? I'm cutting bait. And then all of a sudden, Jamal Williams is there. Like, with a guy like that, or you mentioned Deion Kane, who may not be at the beginning of the year, but we think will ascend. I said yesterday, I think the same thing will happen with a guy like Dante Foreman in uh, Houston. How long do you hold on to these guys? You know, because you're going to always hear these reports. How, how long, Jake, do you kind of grin and bear it and hold on to your laurels on some of these guys? Or maybe it's the Yannis. I'm not sure. But, like, Generally speaking, how long do you hold on to some of these guys? Because you need to make moves around the buys and things of that nature. How long do you hold on to your conviction with some of these guys, whether it be Deion Kane, Dante Foreman, or other people like this? It's really not. There's not a blanket statement for it, unfortunately. I mean, you can't just say hold on to them for six weeks, and that's right. the case for everybody. It depends on what your roster is. Ever like I held on to David Johnson in his right. entire rookie season, and you know, paid off for me in the end of the year. There's actually two leagues where I wasn't able to do so because sometimes you have to make moves. It just it really depends on your situation, and it really depends on what's going out there. So you know, with the Jamal Williams situation, I cut him in a lot of leagues too because at some point. It's, it's the difference between – I'll tell you one thing, though. The difference that you can look at and what can be semi-blanket is mm-hmm. if it's the next man up or if it's a situation where there's a multitude of options. The Green Bay Packers were – they had Ty Montgomery moving to running back. They had Aaron Jones. Jamal Williams, you know, he's the best all-around talent. He's not as explosive as Aaron Jones. He's also a better pass blocker. The same thing is happening this year is we don't know which way. You kind of wish the Packers would just choose one. David right. Johnson was the better talent. And next man up, like Deion Kane, Malcolm, Michael Gallup, uh, these guys are the Ronald Jones if somewhat, somehow right. he's not starting week one. Royce Freeman, if he's somehow not starting week one. Like, it's the better talents will be the next man up, and there's no competition. Like, the difference between Jamal Williams and Royce Freeman and Ronald Jones is it's just them. Like, it, once right. they get past the guy in front of them, it's just them. So you can look for more of those type of situations than something like the Packers where they have three. Right, okay, and therein lies the difference between, like, the timeshare and the committee, right? It's about, like, how many people are kind of blocking that path. It's so muddled. You mentioned Green Bay, Jake. There continue to be reports out there, you know, like, will it be – will Ty Montgomery get some looks? Will Aaron Jones get first-team reps? Will Jamal Williams get first-team reps? That just so clouds the situation a la the New England backfield. Go ahead. Stick stick with Indy. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, stick with the Colts. This, like, this is the this is worse than the Packers. Like, if you really believe in Hines, in which he's mm-hmm. very explosive as a pass catcher, but that's where he he's, he's not a he's not a workhorse. He's not a lead running back. Sure, but he's a slight man. If you disagreed and you were like high on Hines, the problem is, well, they also have Wilkins. They also have Marlon Mack from last year. They also are already giving Turbin. touches to Robin Turbin. So this is one of those situations where I, I don't care if you believe in somebody. The you're this is more of a lottery ticket than it is stashing somebody for the potential that he should get. Like if you're a Jordan Wilkins guy because he's the best all around option again. Well, is Hines going to go completely away? Is Robert Turbin not going to? Like, it's just that's the fact here. Is like, no matter what, it looks like your best-case scenario is still being part of a committee and not even a timeshare. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I think what we're talking about in terms of the rule of thumb is get the composition of that entire position group for the team, right? And no, and we talk about this a lot, Jake. We talk about this with the wide receivers and how they play different roles to fill out the picture. We talk about this in the running back room as well. I know we talked about the Washington running back room, right? And we talk about how Pirine is, is really now the backup to Geis. He's not going to go ahead and play that other role. You know, Thompson is the kind of 
of, you know, passing PPR kind of options. So if there were something to happen to Geis, to, correct me if I'm wrong, Jake, but you agree, it would be Pirine that steps into that early down roll because they wouldn't want to use up a guy like Chris Thompson in that other way. Same vein in New Orleans. They go out and get Terrence West because they don't want to necessarily put Kamara in that role. You have to take an eye on the entire composition of the room uh, when you're thinking about maybe the path of one of these lottery tickets to pop off. Is that, is that correct, Jake? Right. Exactly. That's the, yeah. So talk to me then about this Colts running back room. We acknowledge already that it is a mess, okay? Marlon Mack, I think Marlon Mack's still trying to come back from injury. Turbin getting some carries. They do like the kid, Naheem Hines, though. He's also running as a kick returner, Jake. You know, maybe some special teams touchdowns, depending on your team's scoring. I mean, help me make sense of this, though, Jake. I mean, someone's going to be drafting and getting the value here because all these guys are going to get drafted late. No, and they're not. Someone no? So who's not? Who's not going to get drafted late? No. Nobody's, no, you're not going to get value. No, you're not. I just I told you this. That that's, that didn't change in the last five minutes. It's a, it's a three-headed committee at best. Could be a four-headed. Like, there's, nobody's going to get value. You're just going to get frustration. You don't think any of these guys are going to kind of establish themselves as the lead dog in Indy? Nope. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. We already talked about these tight ends as well. Hey, Jake, you know Swope is still on the ro- is Swope still on the roster there in Indy as well? I believe so. He is. So they're, they're, they're running three tight ends? I mean, how do you see, you know, just last thing on this, Jake, before we go to commercial break. I mean, in the way, it seems to me like the Colts are such a mishmash at, and they have questions at every position, Jake. I mean, Andrew Luck, there's the health question. In the running back room, you say there's three, potentially four guys. In the wide receiver room, after T.Y. Hilton, we don't know a damn thing of who, like, actually is the second best wide receiver. You say you like Kane, there's Grant, there's Rodgers as well. The tight end, we already talked about how they're going to compete. So is there anything, what do you like about the, about the Indianapolis Colts, Jake? Anything, maybe Luck or Hilton? Like, what do you like about the Colts? No, Luck and T.Y. Hilton, if Luck is healthy, that's it. The end. That's, that's really about it. Do you want to tease some people about your bold prediction for the Indianapolis Colts or no? Or are we not allowed to let them behind the curtain in that way, Jake? No, go buy the package. Damn, Jake is tough. Jake is tough today. Listen, hey, I was talking to the King, Scott Engel, in the first hour, Jake, and he said this Roto Experts um, exclusive edge package is dropping this week. He said there's about 30 articles as soon as it drops, and I know that you are, you know, kind of a big deal when it comes to writing articles, editing articles. Can you give the people just a little bit of a preview? What are some of the articles that you're seeing coming across your desk that if people go ahead and do get this Roto Edge uh, Roto Experts exclusive package, what are some of the things they're going to be able to uh, get? Mm, just listen to the show yesterday and they'll know. <laughs> Do you want to remind the people, Jake? No. They should listen to our show every single day. This is what happens. You, you get penalized if you don't listen. No, it's look, wow. you strat- every strategy, like it's the same thing that you get every single year. It's how you win but your Jake, league. Jake, we got new listeners, for- baby. We got new nope. listeners. The show is growing and growing. So many more people. They're legalizing it in Delaware and New Jersey. People want to come to the table now. There are new people out there that don't know about last year's package, Jake, that don't know that your they smartiness should, is actually should, a term of endearment and love. They should have listened yesterday. Oh, wow. So they should listen every single day. But All right. You're, fair enough. You can pip your own thing. I mean, you did the defenses. You did, I did a little so bit of defense in there. Yeah, I, so did, I did a little bit of defense. Auction versus, 
But I know Oxford. you don't. Are you like gonna let me talk? tell you? I'm actually gonna. Are you gonna let me say? Are you gonna let me tell people? I mean, like every time I try to, you keep jumping on me. Well, because I don't know what's gonna come out of your mouth, Jake. I have no idea if you're gonna be like no, or if you're gonna go to it. So let's let me hear, Jake. Go ahead. No. No, I'm just kidding. Like, look, <laughs> keepers, dynasties, auctions, you know, how to draft an auction, I should say. You told me bold predictions from my stuff, advanced stats, last year's trash, you know, bounce back candidates, timeshares for running backs, wide receiver, depth charts, and situation. I mean, like I said, there's everything you can find in there. Absolutely everything you can find coming up starting soon, starting towards the end of there this week. Get yourself ready for football. What have we got? There's 55 what? articles. 55 articles. That's a lot to get going through. You could read and them. How on many the did beach. you say at lunch? 33? 35? Yeah. There, yep, yep, yep. Uh, Scott told me 30 to 35 will be available at launch uh, later still on this week. There's more coming after that. Wow. So, all right. So listen, and we're over here talking about our previews of team by team. We're going to get into, you know, I'm sure at some point Jake's going to update his position rankings. If you are a premium member, you get on that. You get the exclusive edge package. If our guy J-Rod stays hot, Jake, he might win one off of us. Although you got the W out of Trevor Bauer. I went cold. I went cold yesterday. So, you know, you, you widen the gap on me. Jake, when we come back, Here's what I want to do. You know, you talk about drafting early all the time. You sent me something uh, last night that you are drafting early in the football diehards draft. I want to go into this a little bit, see kind of what your moves were as we talked about, as you uh, went through this draft, because you're going to play it out a little bit. Before we uh, hit the break, though, can you tell everybody what, what was this draft? Okay, the football diehards. Who are the people that you were competing against? What was the format? Stuff like that. So we could dive into it right after the break. Uh, it's PPR, your standard PPR 12 team. It was for their magazine that I do every single year, but this one, we have, there's two that we do for the magazine a month ago. That's how early we're doing those. And then we do two, <laughs> two more in the middle of this month, which we actually play out. We do a, so we drafted non-PPR on Sunday this is, or Friday. Friday. And this mm-hmm. is the PPR that we drafted last night. So this is the one we play out, and the winner actually gets a television. The winner gets a TV. All right, well, I hope that is you, Jake. Remember, this is going to be a PPR league that we're discussing right after the break, but I do want to tell everybody first, listen, go on over to mybookie.ag, okay? If you enjoy playing daily fantasy sports but are sick of dealing with the professionals using algorithms and formulas and playing hundreds of lineups, instead, try the Props Builder tool over at mybookie.ag. Forget having to create multiple lineups, okay? Ditch the hassle of dealing with the late scratches and avoid the sharks that win 90% of the money. Invest in the players that you want without salary caps. If you sign up for a new account, use the promo code FNTSY, and you can get a 50% deposit bonus with a rollover requirement, okay? No more dealing with those late lineup swaps. No guys that play now 200 lineups. Just you and the props that you choose. Go to mybookie.ag, enter the promo code FNTSY. Jake, the Indianapolis Colts over under for their season win total is six and a half. Do you think they could get to seven wins this year if Andrew Luck is healthy? Easily. Really? So I, you like the over on this one? No, I would, ju- I would just bet the over and then try to sell out if he doesn't. I mean, you're probably going to get somebody. I mean, you have to take a hit. But if he doesn't play, just sell out to anybody right. who wants to take a shot that, you know, maybe they still somehow get him. 
Absolutely. Okay, so you take the over, and then we talk about that prop swap idea. You know, kind of start finding some, people that some, live in Indianapolis. You find someone that lives in Indianapolis, and is still a diehard truther, kind of, for the Indianapolis Colts. And you'll take someone who still wants that ticket. Listen, they represent, you know, if Andrew Luck is there, uh, they probably will certainly move up. And if you remember also, Jake, they got a, I believe they have a last place schedule to deal with as well. So it could be, you know, some things falling into place for the Indianapolis Colts. When we come back, we take a look at what Jake Seeley does by putting his money where his mouth is, or at least a TV potential. We'll look at his draft when we come back. It's Roto Experts in the Morning right here on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network. We'll try to make Jake smile over the break. Come on right back. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone, we promise. No weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. Welcome back. It is Roto Experts in the Morning right here on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network. You got the spitting statistician and the all-in kid, Dane Martinez and Jake Seeley. Make it a pop. Hey, Jake, this is a little most deaf. It's called mathematics. Are you familiar with most deaf, Jake? Yep, I didn't even actually need you to tell me that. Oh, fantastic. All right, most deaf, little Talib Kweli action. Gotta like it. He is not Scott. This is true. Scott, though, you know, with his kiss and his uh, the who and all that stuff. Jake is uh, more my speed. Hey, Jake, by the way, speaking of this, Jake, um, I know you saw this. and we'll, we'll get back into this football draft, but I thought something was very, very funny yesterday. Remember when the Yankees and the uh, Nationals had that game suspended? about a month ago, you know, and they picked it up back up yesterday. And we talked about, we batted around like, oh, what happens, you know, in the interim, if there's a trade made or if someone was called down and stuff like that. Well, you know, I think there was a funny implication that happened yesterday. Did you see that Juan Soto went yard in the, uh, in, you know, when they picked it back up? And so now technically, Jake, Juan Soto hit a home run in a game that technically took place five days before his major league debut. Um, so from now on, I'm calling Juan Soto the DeLorean if he goes 88 miles an hour, 1.21 gigawatts. What do you like? I just thought that was a funny wrinkle, huh, Jake? Yeah, I think everybody was making a similar joke though. So you're kind of you're on board with everybody else there. So oh no, I'm not saying that I'm blazing a trail here or anything. <laughs> That's not what I'm no, saying. But, I just no, saying that it's actually, funny. And, if, <laughs> and actually, if you look in the stat books, he's going to have a record of getting hits in Double A and the major leagues in the same day. So people are going to be confused. I mean, this will be like <laughs> ten years from now. People are going to be looking this up, and we can explain it to them. We can explain what happened. We can explain how somebody has a home run before they played in baseball. They, they, yeah, he, I mean, technically, he has a home run before he played in the majors because this technically – it's not like that was his first at bat. That was technically – he doesn't exist. Exactly. I thought that was very, very interesting. That's why I'm calling him the DeLorean moving forward, Jake. But here's the funny part to me. Um, you know, we have our guy JP that was producing on uh, Friday and Monday, Juan Soto himself. If I called him the DeLorean, do you think he'd even get that reference? 
Uh, I don't know how old JP is, but I'm guessing no. By the way, that I mean you're JP's asking. in college. You know, he's in college right now. These are kids that were born in like the late '90s. At this point, I just think it's crazy. Uh, I'm old. I don't know about you, Jake, but I'm just feeling older and older when we get these references, and I see a kid that's 19. You know, kind of in the show already. I don't know. Do you feel old, or do you feel spry and fresh and ready to go? Mm, I just feel f- spry and fresh. I, I, it doesn't bother me. That's right. Yo, uh, Bavona, can you please clip that? I want to hear Jake saying how spry and fresh he feels and with all the enthusiasm that he said it with. All right, Jake, let's go on over here to this football diehards draft. You know, what do we got here? A 12-team league, it looks like. We got a 12-team league. You talked about it before as PPR. You know, I want to ask you, I'm not going to start where you think I am, Jake. I'm going to start with something you're like, and you're probably going to be like, yeah, of course, you know, but we shall see. We talk about When you draft early, on some level, you have to make some kind of speculative picks, right? So I look at your 11th round pick, and I look at your 13th round pick, and I think there's some kind of uh, speculation there, quite frankly. You draft Des Bryant in the the 11th round. You draft Jordan Matthews in the 13th round. We talked about how Jordan Matthews may be a beneficiary of the the, uh, Edelman PED suspension. You know, Des Bryant's going to find a team when an injury happens eventually. What's your thought process in making these two picks? Are these guys that you think, listen, you're just kind of taking that ticket now, thinking that, again, like we just said, that you could flip it later on? Um, Are you kind of just speculating on these two guys? Well, it's uh, obviously it's speculation, and it's going to go back to this. This is also what I tell people all the time to do with your bench. You can have one or two players on your bench that you need for bye weeks or that you have, you know, maybe that you're drafting people with injury risk and you want a solid backup, like fifth wide receiver, because in a PPR starting four wide receivers or you want a third or fourth running back, you want somebody you can rely on if something goes wrong, if everything breaks wrong, you know, drafting right now. Like a good example might be, I don't know, T.Y. Hilton. You drafted as your number one mm-hmm. wide receiver, so now you draft you know, three more solid wide receivers to make sure just so. So anyway, that all being said, when you're looking at your bench, outside of a scenario like that, your bench needs to be upside. Your bench needs to be people who could turn into wide receiver threes or better or running back threes or better. I'm going to joke about it because I've always done it, and I love the guy. He's a great player, but at the end of his career, I called it it's the Greg Jennings rule. When was Greg Jennings ever getting into your fantasy football lineup? He wasn't. He was averaging five points a week. He was right. somebody you just left on your bench, and it's like, oh, look, there's Greg Jennings. Oh, it's a bye week. I guess I'll plug him in. And all he did was sit on your bench for 15 weeks out of the season. And it's like, why do you own somebody like that? You can find that person on the waiver wire. Same thing. That's what you do in a draft. I'm drafting Des Bryant. Why am I drafting Des Bryant and not Geronimo Allison? Well, Geronimo Allison's what best case scenario is third wide receiver, and he's getting you six points a week. Danny Amendola, same thing. I mean, you could go down the list. LeGarrette Blunt. Why do I want LeGarrette Blunt on my bench? Am I ever going to put LeGarrette Blunt in my lineup? No. So that's the point. Is Des Bryant should sign somewhere as a number two. And even if he's a number three and needs to push to a number two. In the 11th round, that's the gamble. Jordan Matthews in the 13th. I was already doing the Jordan Matthews thing before the Edelman suspension because it's a new wide receiver with the Patriots, with Tom Brady. What they do to wide receivers all the time, they sprinkle their magic fairy dust on them and they become right. amazing. People forget Jordan Matthews in the high. I was never a huge Jordan Matthews fan, but that all being said, he was still pretty darn good his first two seasons of the NFL, and especially in scoring touchdowns. 
Yeah, absolutely. So to recap here, when you're bench guys, Jake, you are looking for guys with the potential to absolutely pop. It makes absolutely no sense to get, you know, let's use your let's use your terminology, the Dre- the Greg Jennings kind of player, right? That guy who's just Brandon like Marshall. Sure. The stable kind of guy. When you're looking for it, you're thinking about what is the potential? What is the percent chance that this guy can actually be a guy who becomes a week-to-week starter for me and have the potential to help me down the road? You'd rather that than the kind of like status quo replacement value player that you could probably pick up a Greg Jennings in week four anyway. So you're looking for the guys who have the potential to pop even if they wind up fizzling out, correct? Yeah, that's why I took Deion Kane in the 15th round. Yeah, Deion Kane being another example of that. Jake, I want to ask you about how we, when you decided to pull the trigger on quarterback as well, Jake. We talk about this all the time. We are going to be waiting on quarterback, generally speaking, in our drafts. Jake, now you put your money where your mouth is. There were 10 teams, excuse me, 12 teams in this league. It seems like you were the eighth person to draft a quarterback. You get in Carson Wentz in round nine. I look even a little bit further down, Jake, and I see in this 12-team league that the 12th, 13th, and 14th quarterbacks who went were Patty Mahomes, uh, Matthew Stafford, and Jared Goff in the 12th round. Talk to me a little bit about why you decided to pull the trigger three rounds earlier when you still could have wound up with a Goff, a Stafford, a Mahomes three rounds later. What is it that you like about Wentz? And talk to me about waiting for quarterback in this, con- in this uh, case study. Well, I don't think Goff and Mahomes deserve to be in the same conversation with Carson Wentz. You know, the only okay. person out of those that group that you mentioned is maybe – Matthew Stafford. It has it has nothing to do with really the fact of I wanted to take a quarterback around nine, but it's what I tweeted out during the draft last night. If people are going to keep letting Carson Wentz fall into the eighth or ninth round, I wait on quarterback as much as anybody. But in the eighth or ninth round, I'm not. I'm, I guess I'll just own 100 percent of Carson Wentz, and that's at this <laughs> point of the season. If Carson Wentz plays Week One, he's going to be drafted. He's going to be overdrafted. He's going to be going in the fifth or the sixth round, which is where I don't ever take quarterbacks unless your name is Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers is still going in the second or third round, like he always does. Like even in a draft like this, Aaron Rodgers went in the third round. I'm pretty sure it's just insane to me. Or the fourth round with the, the Sean Watson. So I'm never doing that. So I don't ever get to own Aaron Rodgers. The Sean Watson, Tom Brady. I just don't get to do it. Right. Once I get to the eighth round, I'll consider. So fifth round is where I start thinking about Aaron Rodgers. Maybe the Sean Watson, although I'd still mm-hmm. wait on the Sean Watson. Seventh round would be kind of like if Tom Brady fell, if the Sean Watson definitely fell, Russell Wilson. Cam- so now we get to the eight, right. If we get to the eighth or ninth, well, Cam. I took Cam in the eighth round of another draft. You talk, start I'd talking about the eighth round. <laughs> If I have three running backs, three wide receivers, and either a fourth of either and a tight end and or a tight end, then I'll be like, you know what? If you're going to give me Cam Newton or Carson Wentz on the board, I'll do it. And that's why. I mean, Carson Wentz sitting there in round nine is just stupid in my opinion. Yeah, fair enough. And you talk to me. Now let's talk about the top of the draft here, Jake. You know, you're saying you're getting your – listen, I agree with you, okay? We've talked about this a lot. Quarterback we wait on, tight end, unless you really want to get one of these top guys, the Gronks, the Kelseys, you can wait on them as well. Now there's plenty – Kyle of- Rudolph, eighth round all the time. Just do I it. I love it. 
I love it. Any Minnesota Viking I love because I can say their, their nickname as well, Jake. You know, so you round up with Kyle Rudolph, the red zone reindeer. I like that. Talk to me about the first at the top of the draft, though. Are you ever locked into kind of, um, you know, I want to go running back, running back, or I want to go running back, wide out, wide out, those kind of things? Do you believe in the zero RB kind of theory? Are you ever approaching a draft like, I want to go this way? I want to make sure that by the end of round three, I have two wide outs or whatever the case may be? Or or are you just completely letting the draft come to you and whatever you see on your board? Or do you actually want to be like, listen, I need my workhorse. I'm getting a running back in round one. Do you, do you have a locked-in approach, or do you just kind of let it come to you? No, it's always been bell cow running back. In the first hmm. two rounds, I need to come out with a bell cow running back. And a bell cow running back doesn't have to be a bell cow in real life in the fact that they're getting 20-25 carries a game. It needs to be a bell cow in fantasy, as in you can trust the person to get – 20 touches per week and produce as an RB1. And that's, I'm always going to be that way. I've always been that way. Nothing's ever going to change. The fact the zero RB was a thing is actually an anomaly. Scott Barrett has already been on the on Target show and we talked about it. And the fact that the zero RB worked one year. It was one year that it worked, and then everybody went crazy for 2016, thinking it was going to work again, and it didn't. It went right back to being bell cow. It has become more balanced with wide receivers, and that's another reason, again, why I hate PPR, because PPR was a reactionary scoring system to when running backs dominated the first round, and now it doesn't matter anymore, but we're still giving away free points because people just want more free points, and they're just ignoring the fact that it overvalues wide receivers. But all that being said is we're now in a more balanced, so the fact is I still want a bell cow running back because there's so few of these guys that you can trust every single week to get their touches every single week. You get to the end of round two and LaShawn McCoy was the 12th running back, which is still too late. LaShawn McCoy is getting no respect this year, but yeah. Christian McCaffrey went in front of him. Yeah, he's borderline bell cow in a PPR because you are talking about a hundred targets, but if you want to knock off Christian McCaffrey and just stop at LaShawn McCoy, you got McCoy, Fournette, Cook. You can just go up the list from there. There's yeah. about 11, maybe, again, maybe 12 if you want to argue for Kerry Caffrey, but there's about 11 or 12 running backs that you can, that you can guarantee they're going to get their touches every single right. week, and their floor is as high as their potential ceiling, and that's what, that's what I'm looking for here. Yeah, no, I hear you. The only one guy who, in my opinion, when I look at this draft, the guy that I'm kind of very high on that I would put in that category as well, who went in round three, would be a Devontae Freeman, Jake. You know, I think he's a guy also. Who I, I don't understand how people let him fall to me. That's what I'm the saying. Middle, you know, like, the, like the middle of third round, he was queued up for over, uh, like he was queued up basically since like LaShawn McCoy went off the board. Yeah, I, I, to be quite honest, I think I'd rather, I might rather have Devontae Freeman personally than a guy like LaShawn McCoy. Um, I, I just happen to like Devontae Freeman. I think McCoy is on the wrong side of 30, I believe. But um, so I'm just saying, when you have those kind of quote unquote bell cows, I personally would put Freeman in that group as well, as long as he stays healthy. I know he had some concussions. But then again, there's health questions kind of about almost everybody. The nah, last thing see, I want. I wouldn't. He would be right. He'd be right behind McCoy. McCoy is the offense. Okay. The Devontae Freeman's still splitting with Tevin Coleman too much. Where like a week you could get the problem with Freeman is you can get left out. And last year, despite he missed two games, he still finishes RB thirteen even in PPR. So yeah, he's definitely not the Freeman from when he was the number one overall running back that one season, or even at top five. I'm with you. I I don't think he should. He should never have been RB fifteen sure. in a PP <laughs> in a PPR. He shouldn't be going behind Mixon and McKinnon. Sure. And honestly. I would take him in front of McCaffrey, even in a PPR. I won't, I won't take him in front of McCoy, though. 
Okay, so we agree he's a back-end RB1. You know, we right. agree on that, and we could kind of split hairs. Personally, Jake, you're right. He is the offense in Buffalo, but if I'm playing the Buffalo Bills, I'm literally putting 53 men in the box. To try They've to done it for the past chain. five years. It hasn't stopped them. Hey, we shall see with a rookie quarterback as well. Who knows? Um, Jake, we only got a couple minutes. Let's play some Roto Cleo. You are, in fact, widening the gap. I don't know if it's your turn to go first or my turn to go first. I have my picks ready to go. You want me to go first or you want to lead us off today, Jake? Uh, either way is fine. I don't remember right. who went first yesterday either. I'll start him off. I also don't remember, Jake, who you had as your hitter yesterday. We have the Bauer entry. I don't no, know who he you had as he didn't go. It was Joey Gallo. Didn't go deep. It was Gallo. He didn't go yard. I'll put that in. Nice, my nice guys today. My guys today. Uh, I I have him on my uh, my longstanding Roto team right now. Uh, the Trevor Ending story and Gallo has not been helping me. But that I digress. You know, you went chalk yesterday, so I feel like I get to go chalk today. You went Cleveland Indians against the Chicago White Sox yesterday. I'm going Cleveland Indians against the Chicago White Sox today. Give me Mike Clevenger, Jake. Um, last week. He had an outing against them, went seven strong, struck out 11. Second time around, I don't care if they see the ball better off him. I'm going Clevenger today. I'm staying away from the Verlanders and the sales. I'm dropping down one. I'm going to Clevenger on the hill. Offensively, Jake, give me DJ LeMayhew against Jason Vargas in Coors Field just to get a hit. He's at the top of that lineup in Coors Field. They're going to score some runs against Vargas, in my opinion, today. Give me DJ LeMayhew for a hit and give me Clevenger for a W. Well, do do you want me to pick a different pitcher for a W so we're not on the same one? You can do whatever you like. No, I'm asking you because the only option I have here is to like go higher up the list. Uh, the no, you higher, can go ahead. You can go ahead. The only thing higher up the list is either Chris Sale or Justin Verlander, unfortunately. Uh, you can you can choose however you want. You know what? I'm going to give you an opportunity today. I'm going to give you a chance to play. I can catch chance up. to close the gap. That? All right. How about Where'd that? I'll, I'll be go. nice. So for home run, I, I well, no, I'm always going to go home run, and I'm staying with the Colorado. It's Nolan Arenado against just, just uh, Jason Vargas. There's not a question there in my mind. Just Jason Vargas in Colorado, lefty and righty. This, this is that's easy. Got it. So, all right, I'll go a little bit deeper. I'll go uh, because the hey, you know who else I like to pick on is Sal Romano. For home runs, you remember that? I told you. That's true, you to... do. Are they in so the Great I'll... American Small Park today? No, they're in Detroit, so I'm actually going to still pick on them, though. Oh, no, they are in Great American Ballpark. Yeah, they are. So, I'm... still, either way, I'm still picking on them. I'll actually take, you know what? I'll take Matt Boy for the win. Interesting. Do you know who Scott I'll took take... today? I'll take Nando's Boy. No, you know who Scott took today? He took Matt Boyd for the win. Um, yeah. So there you go. We're all we're all in synergy today, Jake. Uh, whether it's Clevenger or Boyd, yeah, he's intermittent, you know. Hey, but have a great Jake. Uh, have a great day today, Jake. We'll preview another AFC South team. I hope your team and football diehards does well. Carton and friends up next. Hey, Jake, have a great day on Frenzy and the like. I'll talk to you tomorrow, all right, brother man? Yeah. Have a good day, fantasy players. We out.